This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. I don't know how many of you were here last week, but Pastor John spoke, and he ended in a prayer in in Auslan. Auslan, Auslan. Would you, anyone know how to say that properly? Auslan. Got it right the first time. And uh, I tell you, and he got us all to do it together. And honestly, it was. I think as far as praying goes, it's probably one of the most spiritual experiences I've had in a long time, um, praying. I was sitting up the back near the cameras, and as we all did it together, I got the, you know, I got the, I got the charismatic shivers and the, and the welled up eyes. And he taught us this awesome prayer, and it was sort of like, uh, Spirit, lead me. And so I pray tonight as I come up and preach that the Spirit would lead me. Uh, because of that, it got me uh, doing a lot of research on um, deaf people throughout history, uh, particularly Christians, and I came across the nun Teresa de Katagana, and she, uh, she lived a long time ago, and she was a prolific author. She wrote a lot of letters uh, well before her time, sort of when women weren't supposed to write uh, letters, and she, she became deaf, deaf later in life. And about that experience, she wrote, uh, worldly pleasures despise me, health forsakes me, friends forget me, relatives get angry, and even one's own mother gets annoyed with her sickly daughter. Being deaf, uh, she lost her ability to speak, and so she began to write more and more. And she ended up doing a lot of prolific writings, uh, from an, the perspective of an impaired person on Christianity and actually changed a lot of lives and a lot of people read those books who uh, suffered from disabilities themselves and were really encouraged by them. And it wasn't until later in life that she decided, uh, she wrote, with bit and bridle, my sovereign Lord, so bit and bridle, that's sort of like how you lead a horse, so with great leading, my sovereign Lord constrained the jaws of my vanities to benefit my spiritual well-being. What I used to call my crucifixion, I now call my resurrection. How powerful is that? A woman who experiences uh, suffering in the way of health and pain and, and being outcast in her society, turns out was the very thing that God wanted to do in her life to bring joy to others who might be experiencing the same thing so much that she could recognise that it was God leading her into that. Quite powerful. Tonight I'm talking about the Spirit sends and the Spirit leading us. And, uh, and basically I'm going to go through some scriptures in the book of Acts. And throughout it I'm going to tell some of my story. And in some sense when I tell my story, sometimes I feel like, well, you know, the church is not about Lewis's story and nor should sermons be about Lewis's story. But I hope in sharing some of my journey and my story, I might be able to relate it to your everyday life. I know that I live and breathe and work in a church environment, but hopefully I can relate it to your life and then relate it to the scriptures so that we understand 
who we are called to bring glory to. And so that's sort of a summary of where my sermon's going. And I'm going to read through the scriptures and jump around uh, the book of Acts a little bit. I'm sort of going to fast forward at moments, sort of like if you're watching a Netflix show and you, ha- and you hit fast forward. I'm going to fast forward moments and then land and then fast forward moments and land and fast forward moments and land. That's what my sermon's going to be like. So I've warned you. So now we can get started. I'm going to start with Acts 13, starting at verse 2. Uh, a bunch of prophets and teachers, along with Paul and or also known as Saul and Barnabas. And all these prophets and teachers are gathered in Antioch, which is one of the most important cities in the Roman Syrian area empire. And so these people are gathered and they're all together. And then in verse two, it says this. I need my, where did I think this was? (laughs) This always happens to me. Here it is up here. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Now, you might be wondering why I'm saying Saul there and not Paul. Well, Saul and Paul are the same person. Saul was his name in the Jewish area and Paul was his name in sort of Greek context. There's a lot of great sermons on uh, Saul going, you know, Saul having a great conversion that his name changing to Paul. That's not actually true, although it makes a great sermon for a youth ministry. The truth is, depending on the context, whether it's a Greek context or a Jewish context, in the Jewish context we use Saul, in the Greek context we use Paul, same name, just said differently in different linguistics. Sort of an interesting point. So Saul, or Paul, it says, set Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit said. As I was doing my research, the question becomes, well, it's all well and good for the Holy Spirit to say something, But how did the Holy Spirit say something? Was it an audible voice? Was it like an inner sense of call? I don't know if you've ever had an inner sense of call. I've met two people who have told me they've heard the audible voice of God. And those two people who told me they heard the audible voice of God, and by audible voice, they mean they heard it in one ear more than the other. Both of them told me that when they heard the audible voice of God, all the voice of God said was, I love you. Both people who have told me a testimony of hearing the audible voice of God. So was it an audible voice of God saying, set apart Paul and uh, Barnabas and Saul or was it, was it like an inner feeling like Barnabas and Saul both felt at the same time oh we need to be set apart in verse 1 and as I said at the beginning a bunch of teachers and prophets were meeting and I think a more reasonable answer is that one of the prophets present said that the Holy Spirit wants to set Barnabas and Saul apart Prophets, we spoke about the gifts of the Spirit. If we believe they're real, it would mean that there are people in our church who can speak into your life. There are people in our church who can speak into your life. When you feel like the Holy Spirit is silent, maybe the Holy Spirit wants to speak through your brothers and sisters in Christ who may have a prophetic gift. When I was 17, I moved to the coast. And on my second week here, I went to a prophetic conference, basically to prove them wrong. I've said this before, I didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, I was more of a cessationist, like that was for the olden days, and now I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, so I thought I'm going to go to a prophetic conference to see what they're on about, because I'm pretty sure they're on about the wrong thing. And during that conference, I got this massive prophecy which turned my entire life around. Uh, But we do have to be sent by the Spirit, Now, the Spirit didn't speak to me audibly in my ear. 
And the Spirit didn't, <laughs> it wasn't just a sense of call. I had no desire to enter the ministry when I first moved here. I wanted to be a famous actor or a rapper or a musician or s- something. <laughs> just wanted to, wanted to see my name in the lights. <laughs> but Pastor Bruce there at that conference gave me a prophetic word. There was a longer three-minute prophetic word from the traveling prophet who was running this prophetic conference, but I only show that to people, you know, to some of my closest friends. And if you want to know what I genuinely believe that I'm called to, I can play that for you one time. But this Pastor Bruce, the prophet who said the first prophecy, which went for about three minutes, then said, Pastor Bruce, do you have anything to add? And then Pastor Bruce gave this one-minute prophecy. And I want to play it for you now. This changed my life when I was 17 years old. Do we have that clip? Um, Lewis, I, I, uh, I picked up on the, the Lutheran comment and it just reminded me of Martin Luther, that he went against the flow of his generation and stood out. And I think there is a prophetic anointing on your life as well. And part of that is a bit risky for you because it's going to take a real faith to trust in, in even what you've heard today is kind of, you know, you're going to have to think on this again and again because I, I sense God is going to cause leadership to come upon you in ways that you didn't expect and probably in a stream you didn't expect. And, and through that, it'll be a change. It's the beginning of a new generation. And like Luther, had to stand against certain things and stand for certain other things. I think that's what your journey will be like in the next 10 years. You're going to have to stand for certain things. And it won't be easy, you'll be lonely at times, but in the long term, you'll see incredible fruit from that. And so I would study the life of Luther. I just sense that, you know, that you, you need to actually consider your own heritage and why God placed you in that, because it's going to be very precious to you for the future. And uh, I think it'll be a great uh, part of your anointing to lead. So, Pastor Lewis, cool. Not, not Jerry Lewis. Right, pastor. You'll be a pastor one day. Yeah, oh no, and a good one too. Good man, good man. What's your name on the sound booth, please? 17. I walk into a prophetic conference wanting to be an artist of some sort. <laughs> There's this long three-minute prophecy. Then they hand over to Pastor Bruce who says, yeah, I think, I think you're called and leadership's going to come upon you in a stream you didn't expect. I didn't expect leadership to come upon me in a Baptist church by no means. Thought it would be Lutheran or Pentecostal, which is where I was at the time. Had no concept that leadership would ever come upon me in a Baptist church. He says you'll have to stand for certain things and not stand for other things. And it's going to be a hard journey over 10 years. And it's been 10 years. This year, it's 10 years since I received that prophecy. And, and I have, I tell you, and he says it's going to, you're going to be incredibly lonely at times. But in the end, you'll see incredible fruit from that. And then the first prophet gets back up and he makes a joke about Pastor Lewis, Pastor Lewis, ha, 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 Pastor Lewis. Isn't that crazy? Now, I don't know if you believe in prophecy, and perhaps that guy just tours Australia telling people what they want to hear. Who knows? But I tell you what, when I heard that, as a bunch of teachers and prophets met together, it changed me. It changed my life. The Holy Spirit spoke. Whether that guy is legit or not, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit used him to speak into my life and to head me in the right direction. And now, I still find it weird when people call me Pastor Lewis. Johnny said it about a million times. Sometimes I hear it and I go, that doesn't sound right. You know what I mean? I still can't believe it. But two weeks in, coming into the Central Coast, I don't know if you've ever felt the Holy Spirit be silent, but let me prophesy 
Let me prophesy to you now. There is so much that all of you are called to do, to share the good news with those around you. It'll be hard and it'll be lonely at times, but you are called to be salt and you are called to be light. You are called to share the good news of Jesus through your actions, through your words, through whatever way you can, in your workplaces, in your schools. Let me prophesy Jesus is real. Jesus is coming back. He is for this whole world. And the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And you are the workers. Go into the world. Share the good news. That is what you were called to. Then some people have some specific calls. Grant, you are, you are a called worshipper by every means. I genuinely believe that some of the songs you are singing, I can see in my head the saints singing them. I genuinely believe you're a worshipper. You don't need to be a prophet to, to know that. It's all over you. The, you know, the moment anyone meets you, it's not just in what you do when you get a guitar and you sing, it's your whole nature. You are a worshipper through and through. Priesthood of all believers, worshippers of all believers. It's like the priests in the Old Testament went before the armies and, and with their singing. And, and I, I just believe that's what you're called to and I'm so grateful you're a part of this church. Cooper, I'm glad you're on the sound desk. I believe that you're a leader, Cooper, a leader. It's going to be hard at times because your friends and different people are going to pull, push and pull you in different directions, but I believe there's an integrity inside of you. And I believe as much as throughout your life, people are going to push and pull you in different directions, you're called to be a leader, to stand strong in the faith, make a difference to those around you in life. Emily, I don't know what the next 10 years of your life are going to hold, but my goodness, I, there's a call of God on your life and I don't know exactly what it looks like. Maddie, I hope that you can bake cookies and do all sorts of different cooking and that when people eat those, they'll feel the love of God. And Zach Bryant's not here, but someone tell that kid to join and go to Bible college. Now, I could just be making up nonsense, but I genuinely believe in my heart every word I said. And if the Holy Spirit might speak to some of you right now, the Holy Spirit would be saying, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much, died on a cross for you. So go and share that with the world. Let's see. While they were worshipping, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So after the Holy Spirit spoke, it was affirmed by the church. At Narara, you may have seen, and you might think it's a bit weird, sometimes when people leave or move or go on, we get them up the front and we lay hands on them when we pray for them, and it looks super weird. It's like, is this a cult or a church? We, don't, we can't quite tell, and it's something we do, and then I say, well it's, well, it's too hard for you all to touch the person, and so then I get you to do that, the, um, what do we call it, the Star Wars hand raise. <laughs> And it's funny, you see people do it, it's like one person's in the middle and then it's like concentric circles of people touching on the shoulder. It's like, it's like a chain of prayer and a chain of love that hits the person. in the, But really it's just a symbol of affirmation by the church. And so it's something we do here because when people get sent, we want to we affirm that, we want to send people in blessing. If the Holy Spirit is leading someone somewhere, we want to send them in blessing. When I first became a pastor here, there was a camp, we have focus meetings, just means when pastors begin, we vote on them. And when I first became a pastor here, before the vote, there was a campaign for Lewis. 
And in that campaign, a bunch of people changed their profile picture to the ugliest photo of me they could find. Uh, Dean Russell, my good friends Josh and Sienna, Vince, even Vince, now that dude's old and he changed his profile picture to a picture of me. Uh, Sienna says, vote yes for your boy Louis. Vote one, Pastor Louis. Vote one, Louis for, Louis for Kent. I don't even know what that means, Dean. Where is Dean? It's too long ago. And this was the campaign. <laughs> and now, although I was highly embarrassed that everyone was changing their profile pictures to funny photos of me, in some sense, I felt very affirmed. And when I came here and when the vote occurred, don't mean to brag, but it was the first, it was the first vote with 100% yes in 15 years since Craig. This is pretty cool. And so 10 years ago, some random dude, Pastor Bruce, turns out his name's Pastor Bruce Robertson. I only learnt this just this week. And it turns out, hope you see golloped up one of his, his church that he was a part of and now it's a Hope You See and he's a pastor at Hope You See. I didn't even know that till I Googled it this afternoon, Pastor Bruce. I want to call him and say, oh, thanks for your prophecy 10 years ago. <laughs> Sent me in the right direction. But then it's also affirmed by the church. I come here and it's affirmed by the church. In fact, it was affirmed by all the priests in the room when they voted on that day. Affirmed by the church. And then just like when I started, when Johnny started, we get up the front and people lay hands. It's affirmed by the church. Now, that's very easy for a pastor to say because it makes sense for a pastor, right? You get a prophecy about being a pastor and then you get laid hands on when you become a pastor. But I want to say for everyone in this room, take my phone number. I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care what school you go to, what university you go to. I don't care what it is. If you need direction and you need affirmation from the church, call me up. Let me pray for you. You're about to make a business deal in your business. Call me up. Let me pray for you. You're about to start studying something new. Call me up. Let me pray for you. You're having a rough day at school? Call me up. Let you, you, sense a, you sense a calling from God? Email me. Call me up. Let me pray for you. Let me affirm you. Let the church affirm you. Not just me. Not just this, the guy up here on the microphone. Call each other. Pray for each other about business, about work, about life. Let the church affirm what the Holy Spirit might be leading you to. Because the Holy Spirit is leading us all the time. So why shouldn't we affirm each other? Why shouldn't we affirm each other so sent by the spirit and if you do take my phone number I don't answer unknown numbers so make sure you text me first <laughs> confirmed by hardship <laughs> so laid hands on them and sent them off Barnabas and Saul then are the main characters in the next bunch of chapters. It says this, uh, Barnabas and Saul go to Cyprus. Barnabas and Saul at Antioch. Uh, where do we? Barnabas and Saul at Iconium. Uh, then it says Paul and Barnabas at Lystra. Then it says Paul stoned at Lystra. <laughs> Gets a bit airy there. Then it's back to Paul and Barnabas return to Antioch in Syria. The, next, the whole next couple of pages of Paul and Barnabas being sent off, going into the world. Their specific call, if we want to look at their specific call, was to reach the Gentiles. Uh, as it's always been, the gospel was first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles, and Paul and Barnabas were set apart to go and reach the Gentiles, which is basically anyone who's not a Jew. Thank God for Paul and Barnabas, because without Paul and Barnabas, we wouldn't be sitting in this room today. But they were called to the Gentiles, and we got to hear the gospel, because we aren't Jews. And it's amazing. Now, I don't think any of you, well, all of us are set apart to preach the good news to Gentiles and Jews and anyone we meet, but uh, I don't think you're, you're called to go and, I don't think you're called 
to go to any of these cities. In fact, some of these cities don't even exist on modern maps. I don't know if any of you are called to go to Lystra. Nathan, do you have any idea where that is? He pulled up a map in his sermon this morning. I should have got a map out. Must be Turkey. That's always a good guess. <laughs> just, say, just, say, just say, oh, that's in modern-day Turkey, and you're probably right most of the time. <laughs> I'm not sure I understand either, Siri. Um, <laughs> confirmed by hardship. In a lot of these chapters, let me tell you what happens. First, they go and fight with a magician whose name is Bar-Jesus. And Paul gets very angry at him. And then they travel and they're threatened with stoning. Like people get so angry at them preaching the gospel, they're threatened with stoning, but they hear about the plan and they escape. Then they travel some more and Paul is actually stoned. They actually throw stones at him. And everyone thinks he's dead. Then people gather around him, he comes alive again. Yay, yippee, for the gospel. But he's actually like throwed stones. Like some, this is some full on hardship. This is some full of hardship. If, you, if you've got, I don't think you're, any of you are called to be, stone, to be stoned. If, if you're hanging around friends that are going to stone you, or you're hanging around friends that are stoned, maybe get new friends. <laughs> maybe get new friends. Woo! And then, then they come back and they have a big fight with the other apostles and they're all fighting about, well, they should follow some of the Jewish law and they should, some of them should get circumcised. And then they're over here and they're like, no, it's all about grace and the Gentiles shouldn't have to do that. And they have this big fight, big fight. And then, then Paul and Barnabas, who've just done all this work together, just done ministry together, they have a fight over a ministry leader that they want on their traveling team. Barnabas is like, I want to bring this fella. He's a good ministry leader. And then the other guy's like, no, I don't. Well, he abandoned us in this other city. I don't want him being our ministry leader. And they have a fight and they go separate ways and we never hear about Barnabas again. I read my Lutheran study Bible. There's a whole page on conflict in the church. And to sum up the entire essay, it says, it's going to happen. Went separate ways. All of this conflict, all of this stuff. But I wonder if both of them, even when they went separate ways, they were both still did a lot for the gospel, even after they went separate ways. I wonder if deep down they knew, no matter what we face, we have been set apart. The Holy Spirit called us. The church affirmed us. I completed my Bachelor of Theology recently. And not on... Thank you, Nathan. Thank you. I should have brought my hat. Uh, uh, and not on my post, but on, another, on someone else's post about Bachelors of Theology, someone left this comment. Bachelor of completely useless Iron Age mythological gobbledygook. <laughs> now, I cannot tell you how long I laughed at this comment. <laughs> Very long, Sam. At least, at least. I laughed at this comment for a very, very long time. And I thought, geez, I tell you what, as a pastor, we face hardship all the time. If I could tell you some of the things that people have said to my face, like let alone the things people say about you behind your back, but some of the things people say about me to my face, I tell you what, some, sometimes it's so hard when I hear people call me Pastor Lewis because sometimes I feel so inadequate because although sometimes the Holy Spirit affirms us, I tell you what, when people speak from the flesh, it can really rip you to shreds. Thank you to everyone in this room who's ever sent me an encouraging message because I need it. Because there's lots of people out there who think it's all gobbledygook. There's lots of people in here 
you know, who don't like man buns. <laughs> it's hard. But let's leave behind the woe is me. I mean, my life's, my life's pretty good. I don't know what your life's like. The Spirit calls you into your own profession, into your own school, into your own workplace, into your own university. And I don't know if you suffer hardship. I don't know if you've ever shared the gospel with someone who thinks it's like just nonsense. For some people, for some people in this room, the people who think what you believe is gobbledygook, it's your own parents. For some of you, it's your aunties and uncles. I tell you, I've got some aunties, aunties and uncles who think it's absolute gobbledygook. For some of you, it's your own children. That's painful. That is so painful. But you are set apart to be a light in the darkness. You are set apart to be salt of the earth. You are set apart to show the good news of Jesus through deed and word. Holy Spirit has called you to that when you became to believe, when you came to be a Christian. Don't let it go. Paul was stoned to death. And Pastor Bruce, when he prophesied over me, he said, you will be incredibly lonely at times. And over the last 10 years, any time I've been incredibly lonely, I've remembered back to Pastor Bruce, and I've heard his voice in my head, you'll be incredibly lonely at times. And I go, I sort of knew this was gonna happen. Then Pastor Bruce said, but in the end, you'll see incredible fruit from that. And I still hold on to that truth because I know there's incredible fruit to come. If you're facing hardship or people in your life think it's gobbledygook, Holy Spirit is your comforter. Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And I can say both those things because it's in Scripture. For... It's all for his glory. Paul does all of this. You know, he's, he's getting rock stone at him. He's, he's getting all this sort of stuff. And it happens all the way. I was just reading in, in um, Acts 13. But if I get to Acts 21, he does all his adventures. He does all his journeys. And uh, he's visiting one of his friends. And a prophet comes. Holy Spirit has another word for him. Yippee! Holy Spirit's going to speak again through a prophet, which I believe still happens today. Holy Spirit's going to speak again through a prophet. While we were staying there for many days, a prophet named Agabus, great name, came from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt. That would have been, surely he wasn't wearing it. That would have been weird. Haven't thought about that before. Somehow we got a hold of Paul's belt. He took Paul's belt. And bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So this prophet comes up, takes your belt, ties up his hands and feet and says, This is how anyone in Jerusalem is going to treat you. Mm. that's a really encouraging prophetic word 
And when, he heard, when we heard this, we and the people urged Paul, don't go to Jerusalem, Paul. Then Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Sounds like a really disencouraging prophetic word, right? Like, go to, go to Jerusalem, you'll be imprisoned, handed over the Gentiles. But I wonder if for Paul it was encouraging. I'm not only ready to be bound, I'm ready to die for my Lord. Spoiler alert. It all comes true. But I wonder if when Paul is bound in Jerusalem, if he thinks back to that prophetic word and goes, I knew this was going to happen. And I can find comfort in the fact that the Lord knew this before I was born. The Lord knew this before I was sent. The Lord knew this before the church affirmed it. Maybe he found comfort in that. But he didn't do it for his own gain. It was for the name of the Lord Jesus. The reason that I can be so certain that we might face trial and tribulation, a lot of prophetic words are meant to be like encouraging, like, hey, you believe in Jesus and all your children and all your family members are going to get saved and you're going to live the best life ever and you're going to own a BMW and your business, that, that, uh, that business proposition is really going to work out for you. <laughs> no. Some of your business partners might think what you believe is gobbledygook. Some of your family members might not ever be able to understand. But are you willing to go through all the pain for the name of the Lord Jesus? I might, I might josh up or the, the whole band, whatever will work for some quiet music. Um, but it's all for his glory. When I'm 17, I receive this prophetic word. Uh, it's affirmed by the church. I go through all the loneliness, all the pain, all the strife. And I believe that in the end, there'll be incredible fruit from that. But the fruit isn't like, if I'm lonely now, yay, I'm gonna have lots of friends in the future. And the fruit isn't, if I make decisions now in the church, yeah, I'm gonna pastor the best church in the world and everyone's gonna love me. I believe the fruit of that is that I know that Jesus came, died for me and died for my sin and died for my darkness, which I'm full of. That all my pain and strife might become like resurrected into new life with Him. And I know totally and completely that one day I'll be with my Jesus. Do you? A few different prayers I want to do. If you're comfortable, if you're new here, you don't have to do that. But if you are comfortable, I believe each of you is called to be salt and light in the world. I believe each of you is called to be light in the darkness, to share the good news of Jesus in word and deed to all around you. I believe each of you is to go through the pain and the hardship and all the things that come with being a believer. So that in the end, for His glory, you'll see incredible fruit. And uh, you don't need me to affirm that in you. The church can affirm it together. So if you're comfortable, 
Chuck a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. If you knew it could be awkward. Great way to meet new people though. (laughs) And let's affirm each other. God, we affirm the call on our lives to know you more, to turn from our darkness and run towards you. And upon understanding your love and your grace, to share that with the world around us. We affirm that we are called to be desperate for you, God, and passionate for the people around us. Jesus' name, amen. And the last prayer I wanna do, and maybe at the end after the worship, I'm gonna hang around at the front because if you need affirmation in your life, I'd love to lay a hand on you and pray for you if you sense the Spirit leading you in a certain direction. Uh, so I'm just gonna hang around the front. If you're, that's you in the room and you're like, ah, oh, I would love prayer to um, you know, just be affirmed, get someone to lay a hand on me and affirm where I believe the Spirit's calling me. Or if you, want, if you want someone who genuinely believes that they have a little bit of prophetic inkling to speak into your life, I would love to do that for you. But I'm not the only person who can do that. I believe the spiritual gifts are for everyone and there's other people in this room who can speak into your life and don't despise the voice of other Christians and the wisdom. Uh, the book of Proverbs says there's wisdom in a multitude of counsellors. Uh, so I'd love to pray for you at the end. But for now, I believe that the Spirit wants to set us apart, wants to send us out at the end of this Holy Spirit series. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.com. Dot info.